in the trenches every day cause I stay on my grind If they hate the animal cause they won't stop my shine See me running to that money, I just want what's mine No, I don't waste no time, no, I don't waste no time Welcome back in the Feed Your Brain podcast. My name is Max Elster, and I'm happy to have another fantastic guest in the show. It's uh, David Schnurman, all the way from New York, CEO of Lawline, and um, very interesting company, very interesting guy. He's also the president um, of the entrepreneurial organization in New York, which, uh, of course, also a lot of German people know because we also have it here in Hamburg, in Munich, and in different uh, areas here in Germany. Very interesting. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his company, his processes. He has also has a new book coming out, um, which we will touch upon uh, later in the podcast. So I'm happy to have you here, David. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Max, uh, happy to be here. And you're my nephew's name, so we have a connection already. So I, pre I appreciate uh, having me on. That's cool. That's cool. How old is your nephew? <laughs> he just turned 13. Okay, so uh, he's he's uh, still going that entrepreneurial journey, or is he is he on its way, or? <laughs> uh, hopefully someday. I think he's going to be a web developer. So it, it's it, a, it, there's lots of opportunity in that area. I, w I would just want to say it's a good start into the entrepreneurial exactly. lifestyle, right? <laughs> Very cool. Maybe um, for the people who who don't know you, why, maybe you can tell a little bit about yourself. Why are you in in New York? Um, what are you doing in New York? What is Lawline uh, for the people who don't know? Maybe that's a good good start into the show. <laughs> so I live in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, my office is right off Wall Street. Uh, I have three kids under 10, and my company I started it in law school 11 years ago. And Lawline were the largest provider of online continuing legal education mm -hmm. in the United States. About three million courses we've had completed, and we we're essentially like Audible for lawyers. So we have a really easy way to keep your continuing education um, on your computer or on your phone or wherever you need it. I am a lifelong learning junkie. I call myself a SHA, which is stands <laughs> for self-help addict. So I have can tell you 100% reading books has had a more ROI in my life And any other thing that I've ever had, like from people to courses, so a $15 book has been the most impactful thing. So I buy books all the time. I don't finish reading half of them. That's okay. I just keep reading till I find the, the right ones. And so one of the things that drives me is getting knowledge. And most importantly, when you have something that you think is really interesting, sharing it with the right people. And I mm -hmm. think that's what's connected us here today. Definitely, it did. Uh, shout out to Brian who also connected us on that way. But um, exactly, <laughs> um, maybe to to deep dive here because I think that's something that is remarkable to most of the interview guests that I had on the show, which is uh, the the eager to always learn and continuously learn through books, through online courses. Uh, through different mentors that people have. And it's, it doesn't really matter which age or uh, which kind of company they have. It, it's really a general thing that all podcast guests had. If you were just, you were just telling us that you are sharing knowledge with other people. What's like a, a book that you wished or showed to other people, to friends that re remarkably had an impact on your life and in your professional story? Sure, there's three books. I'll share the first one, and you can tell me if you want more after that. That's so <laughs> number one is The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Have you read that book? Mm, I didn't, actually. No, I didn't. The, the subtitle is How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. There's about 65 principles in the book, 
only took two of them that a lot of them applied to me, but two of them changed my life. One of them literally changed my life the day after I finished reading it. That was principle number 54. And it was keep your agreements. And at that time, I was making agreements and commitments and breaking them left and right. This is three years into my company, whether I was like making meetings with my people in my company and then canceling them 10 minutes before because I was like busy and you know, frazzled and I'm like, oh, they would understand because I'm an entrepreneur and a CEO. So they, they, they understand that I'm, I'm going to cancel appointments or I would tell my wife I'd clean the dishes and then I'd fall asleep after dinner and I wouldn't clean them. And then at the time I had three, I had three year old twins. And so I was not necessarily taking care of myself. Uh, health-wise, from working out to eating right, and I kept getting down on myself. I would say, "Okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and work out," and of course, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so, there's a lot. There, I'm going to share what he said that transformed me, and hopefully, can transform one person. Mm-hmm. People go. He shared this story about a class that he holds, and in the class, you have to sign an agreement that you won't come in late. A couple days into the class, some people showed up late, and he said, "Well, you broke your agreement." And one person said, well, that's not my fault. I can't control traffic. And Jack said to him, well, what if I told you if you showed up late, somebody you know would be killed, somebody you love would be killed? And the guy goes, whoa, if that was the case, then I would never leave the classroom. I would just sleep here overnight. Mm-hmm. And while I think extreme examples designed to show you have more control over the commitments that you make than you actually really think you did. Mm-hmm. And so what I started doing was started Instead of thinking things were out of my control or people will understand, I started keeping agreements as if I didn't, somebody I loved would die. And I kept almost every agreement I made after that, including the hardest physical agreement I could have thought of, which I signed up for the next week, was uh, the Philadelphia Marathon. And before that, I hadn't ran more than three, five kilometers at most. So I ran the marathon four months later after reading that book. Wow, amazing! Um, that's a story. So, really keeping keeping a close goal uh, in agreement, how you call it, to 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 make a vision possible. I mean, that's something that uh, a lot of probably, of course, in the business world, we also have objectives. We have objective objective key results that should decide over the long term success of a company. Maybe you can transition a little bit into like law line and how you actually make processes possible there with an agreement, right? I mean, you have to lead. Uh, several people in the company, you are right at Wall Street, so there's always stuff happening. Um, how do you keep them in order and how do you keep processes in order to make those agreements in the company possible? So in our first five years in business, we essentially went from zero to five million in revenue in those five years, just, just mm-hmm. under that. And we were doing it essentially based on me taking action, 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 one idea after the next idea and just keep moving forward. What happened after uh, about that five or six years, as we grew, we had 25, 30 people, the, the action was not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. We started having structural process problems where communication was falling or people couldn't just do every idea at the same time. Mm-hmm. And things really transformed for us. About 2015, we hired Mark Green, who is a coach. He used, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Scaling Up. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. Okay. So he, We actually just read it, so it's a very, very good book for business building, right? Exactly. So the challenge when you read it, it's a great book. There's just a lot in there. So <laughs> he worked with the Gazelles. There's an organization that helps coach it, that helps companies and coaches them. So we hired him to coach our executive team. We didn't even have one at the time. He helped us form an executive team, 
And so with Mark Green, we started creating quarterly priorities, annual initiatives, three-year strategic focuses. We started creating mission and vision and values, but we started doing it in a way that was very deliberate. We started creating communication rhythms. We started coaching sessions. We started putting all these things into play and he had him do it us very slowly, one thing at a time before we moved on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So now when we do things, we have very clear understandings of what we're trying to do this year. For example, in our company, we have three main things we're doing this year. The entire company knows about it. Everything's tied to it. And those are the commitments that we have. And at the end of the day, I'm less concerned. Obviously, I want to hit the goals we set and the commitments that we say we're going to keep. I'm less concerned at the end of the day if we hit them versus if we put all the efforts and we kept track of what we were trying to do. Because nothing's going to be as certain as a marathon because marathon has been around, you know, the marathon training plans have been around for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, if you run this mileage at this time, by the time of the marathon day, you'll have what you need to, to finish. Nothing's that certain in business. So that is the process that we use in the company now. And it took us a couple of years to build that foundation. And once we did, we started growing again at levels at 30% plus that we hadn't done in the earlier years. And so those are some of the things we do at our company that tie to what you can call the marathon training plan. We have our own training plans for our team. Okay, so you actually uh, more or less duplicated what you have on, on, the, on the private life with your marathon and you put it down also on the business teams and, and let them run a marathon in a, in a clear, good way. A really important point, I didn't duplicate it. It just happened to be that the uh-huh. same thing that works in a marathon also works in a business, which makes sense. So I just looked at what was going on there and what was going on here. And I said, oh, wow, you have some the core fundamentals. And you know what the most important thing to any plan is? What do you think? I'll ask you, Max, just to make it interactive. Mm-hmm. What do you, in my opinion, there's a lot of important things, but what do you think is the most important thing, in my opinion, to, and I'm sure there's research to back it up in a plan? Objectives, I would call it, and motivation of every single person fulfilling the objectives, maybe? So that's what I used to think, and okay. that's what I used to do, and that's what we did for a long time. The challenge with that for us would be when you just have objectives, you're not creating any commitments to keep. Because you're just mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'm going to do this. You're not saying when. The most important thing, if you look to the fundamental thing in a marathon training plan, is there's dates attached to these objectives. On Sunday, I'm going to run 10 miles. Saturday, I'm going to run 15 miles. And you know if you did it or you didn't. So the number one most simple thing that many times I didn't do, and many people don't do because it's the hardest part, is you attach dates to some of the things you're trying to do. So at least you can see if that structure is there. Because once you do that, then you've made that, that commitment, and then it's real. What I like to say is if you don't have dates attached to goals or outcomes, you're running on passion, not a plan. Mm. That's interesting. That's that's very interesting because I think also from from a leadership and um, psychological perspective, we can definitely deep dive here. Maybe we can shortly do that because I think since you are definitely a leader of a, of a great company and a company that has established innovation in a certain area, maybe that's interesting to 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 talk about it. Can you maybe 
tell us a little bit, like, of course you have certain deadlines, of course you have certain plans, but sooner or later there will be touch points that are low, uh, like touch points that are maybe also um, in discomfort for your employees. There will be not as much motivation as from the start of a plan. How do you keep people engaged and motivated when deadlines are not being succeeded and when, when things are not going the strong way? How do you keep people in the loop? So first off, I do not, my job is not to motivate anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, that, my job is to set up a structure and a, and a platform and to show the vision of the company. People, because mm -hmm. one of the things early on in my business, I thought my job was to get everybody motivated, to get everybody energized, to give them what they need to go for it. And another principle in the success principles is uh, principle number one, it's own 100 you own 100% of the situation that you're in right now. And there's only two things that you can control in life. What do you think, Max, are the two things you can control in your life? The only two things. There's really only one thing. Let's start with the, the number one thing, that, the only thing you can control that leads to other things. I mean, what I can control about myself is of, that's what I would assume, probably not right, but assume. Is, what about yourself? So what is the mm -hmm. number one thing about yourself that you can control? My energy level, my energy, my, my state of, of mind, my, yeah, my, so, yeah, that's definitely the, what I would say. The number one thing you can control is how you think. Right. And too often in life, what we try to do is instead of changing the way we think, we change the outcome or we mm -hmm. change the event so, or you blame it. So, you know, so one of the things early on in my business, I let's say I, I, we, to you, you go to the point of missing goals. So we were trying to build a marketing campaign in a couple states in the United States, and we wasn't working. So I sat down with one of the employees. I said, okay, here's what we want to do. We want to get in these five states, and here's why. Three weeks later, nothing happened. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I probably should say it with more energy. I, I didn't say it the right way. He wasn't motivated enough. Three weeks later, I said, here's why we're doing it. Here's the big picture. Here's why it's going to change the company. Do you get it? And he goes, I got it. Three weeks later, nothing happened. And then finally, I, I went to somebody else in this company, Christina, who managed uh, customer service, and I explained to her what I needed to do. I said, can you help me? She goes, absolutely. Within two weeks, she did exactly what I said and the way I wanted it, and it hit it to a T. So what was different in that situation? The, the responsibility that you gave along? I didn't. I mean, essentially, it was the person. I, so right. what I realized was I, I cannot motivate that of individual. Course. I could just set up the parameters. And so to your point, we do miss goals a lot in mm -hmm. different areas. We're, we're down 6% uh, in our forecast for the year. Maybe we were too aggressive from it from the first place. And so one of the things that's important is – understanding why you didn't make it and readjusting. And secondly, is it's just constantly, again, like I said early on, again, if you're constantly re-setting goals that you can't hit, that's something potentially you have to look at. But if you're setting too aggressive goals, or you're resetting goals that don't work, I'm more concerned about just readjusting and then resetting them in the future. And hopefully eventually you'll get to it because it's less about getting them 100%, but it's more about knowing, here's what I thought I would get, and here's where I ended up. So mm -hmm. eventually, hopefully, you'll have fine-tuned that. But the thing is, as you constantly, as a company, 
grow outside your comfort zone and try new things, you're going to keep, that's going to keep happening. That's what's happening to us as a company right now. We're trying to get into new areas above and beyond education for lawyers. And we don't have to do it. We, we cannot do it and be fine, but that would be boring. That wouldn't mm-hmm. be where we want to be. Plus, we, we want to provide value uh, for our attorneys and what we're doing. Yeah, that's something that, I mean, you also state in your book, right, to go out of the comfort zone and really do th- things that are maybe in discomfort for the human being at the certain moment. But as soon as you overcome the stage, you will find success in, in any area as long as as you keep uh, keep the keep keep the plans aligned and keep keep uh, people in a structure that as you as you mentioned maybe because i think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs are um, struggling on to really define the discipline of deciding where you will want to be in three months and then reverse engineering backwards to to define the situation where you are right now and really to define the plan at the deadline Maybe can you walk us through the process of actually reverse engineering a, a goal and and an accomplishment and reverse engineering it to the to the first day of actually starting starting the journey? Yep, uh, I, I'll do it the opposite way, and let me start with step one, and then okay. I'll explain why. So in a way, um, and I'm not doing this. I'm just doing this because this is why I wrote the book. I am not a focused person. That is that is my weakness. And I can probably tell you, I know the reputation of Germans is actually really good at focus, right? Like very meticulous, staying on track, right? Like at least I was just interviewed. We try. We try. Uh, so that, it's in a positive way, right? Like there's a lot of good things, very organized and structured. That is not something that I generally do as an entrepreneur. Many entrepreneurs I know are very similar to me. We're a visionary. We have a lot, a lot of ideas. We think they're easy to implement. Want to do them all at the same time, and and we just want to go. And so that that had worked for me for a really long time, and it works for a lot of people. And it's always, like, I'd rather you do that. So step one, so this, this goes to sort of the goal. Step one is you need to take action to get out of your comfort zone. And the, the most important way that helped me take action to get out of my comfort zone was not labeling the outcome of anything as good or bad. Because, in fact, people label an outcome bad 20 times more than they label it good. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you label something as bad, you experience it as bad. And so when you don't label it just because you didn't get the revenue that you thought or you didn't get the the job that you thought you were going to get or start the new business line, doesn't mean it was bad. It actually might be the best thing that's ever happened to you. And that you, there's examples of that throughout our lives. So, And in, in the book, we I go through four ways there's four chapters one chapter per way of how to take action to get out of your comfort zone from from the mental strategy make mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. so once you get out of your comfort zone generally what happens is the first week the first day the first month you say to yourself why did i start a podcast why did i leave my job why did i move to germany why do i move to barcelona like Why am I starting this company? You're just start, starting to question why you did what you did because it's hard and it's uncomfortable. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Mm-hmm. So, so the first thing you want to do, what, what do you want to do? You, you know, maybe a podcast is not that difficult, but like, is there something in your life that can come to mind that you've recently done the past couple of years that you took action to get out of your comfort zone, and then soon thereafter you were like, why did I do this? Is there I anything? Mean, 
we are currently full in the process of building a voice tech company, which is a completely new field with the voice technology. So of course it's hard to, to build something that is a completely like new category. And we don't question the, the idea behind it, but what we do, of course, is question the daily action that we have since we are, we haven't been long, we haven't been around for long. But of course you, you question yourself on a daily basis and you question every action, which, which actually leads to more productivity in the long term. I want to share with you something that I've developed over the past few years and put a lot of time and energy into to help with that one moment. Because mm -hmm. the moment of the entrepreneur where like you're just sitting there, it could be in the middle of the night, it could be in the middle of the morning, it could be right now on this podcast, and all of a sudden you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're not sure where it happened. Like, you don't know, like, did that come from this or that? And you just feel all this stress and it feels like it's never going to end. Has that ever happened to you? Of course. Definitely can't, can't, yeah. can't complain. <laughs> right. So 100%. So for me, it's happened and like I needed to come up with so a, a way to just to get normalized. And so I came up with this, this mantra. It's called NIP, fear in the bud. And NIP is an acronym. And so N stands for not alone. I stands for I will get through it. And P stands for play the part. Play the mm -hmm. part as an entrepreneur and not be concerned of what others think of you. And so in those moments, what I say to myself is I will nip fear in the bud. I will nip fear in the bud and I, and I can make it more detailed and I'll say it until that feeling goes away. And the point I just want to bring out here is you need to emotionally prevent yourself from falling back into your comfort zone and just know that you're not alone. Like every single entrepreneur goes through this, this process. So that's step two. And then step three is the most important part because if you're able to stay out of your comfort zone, you want to be able to stay out longer so you can build this amazing voice technology. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to do that. What do you think is the number one way to stay out of your comfort zone longer? Whew, that's a, that's a good I'm trying to make you more engaged. No, that's 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 lovely. I mean, that's perfect uh, because you also think about different questions that you hadn't had in in in, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, I mean, that what it's we talked so about. Er it's an obvious answer. So just think of the stupid obvious answer. I mean, there's like, you, we could talk about the plans, we could talk about the deadlines, but I think what yeah, would we... Focus. Right. You need, you need to have focus. Right. And, and it, it's so obvious, but it's not. And so the, the, the two ways I want you to, because so too often we think, we get too bogged up and like, I got to create a plan. I gotta do all. There's two things you need to think about when it comes to focus. And number one, bring things full circle to what I said in the beginning of this interview is number one is you need to keep your commitment. So if you made a commitment to yourself that you're going to build the biggest voice technology company in the world, that's going to transform B2B space or, or whatever space that is like you got to hold on to that as if you didn't do it. Somebody, you know, you love would die. You got to hold, you got to do that thing. That's great. And that's good. But that won't help you get there. And the second thing, which we already talked about, you need to create a training plan, just like if you were running a marathon that has dates with goals attached to it. And then when you have that, you same thing when you're running a marathon, you want to have an accountability buddy check in with you. And here's the part that I think will help everybody listening mm -hmm. and put things in perspective. And I'm going to share a story about Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. You know Jerry Seinfeld? Yes, I do. Making <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, so he's a big time comedian. And one of the things he asked when he first got started as a comedian, he asked advice from an old timer comedian guy. And he said, here's my advice. Instead of spending 
one day a week to write your jokes. Write jokes every single day, but only write three jokes a day. So Jerry started just writing three jokes every day. And within a week or two, his job, and he would put an X on the calendar every day to write it, his job became to not break the chain of Xs on his calendar. He calls it don't break the chain. Do something small every day and you keep track of it versus try to do big things. That's how you become successful. And so when you think about the planning that you're doing for this company, it's very important to, to not try to accomplish too much too soon because if you do little things every day, it actually happens much quicker than you anticipate. And so those are the, the three steps that I, I use. And here's a spoiler alert. Those are the three steps in the fast forward mind that are the framework of the entire book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's based about how to get out of your comfort zone, more importantly, how to stay out longer so you can have an impact world. And, and that the, the, the why is important for me. Mm-hmm. For me, it's about personal growth and most importantly, yeah, and we can, I can, I can give a little hint here because the the question that you asked before we started the interview was why I actually do the podcast, and it felt very real compared to um, to to like other questions that people ask me. It felt like you are really interested in 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 the why behind the podcast in order to make the podcast great. Uh, that it really felt like a why is an important step for you to define where you want to go with your plan. Um, and you mentioned something earlier, um, which we also talked shortly about in the pre-talk, which is that you are also moving to Europe, which is a big, a big step for, for a family, for, for yourself, of course, but also for the environment, for your friends, for everybody is around you. And I mean, New York is a great city. Why the hell should you move to Europe then? Right. But I think that's a question that you should answer now because where we come along here is also discomfort again. You go to a new place, you go to a very sunny place, but you also go to a completely new environment. Why did you actually choose so? And what can you replicate from your decision there to other private decisions uh, that you already had in your life that you can recommend, of course, to the listeners as well? So just before I directly answer that, I, I will say one of the struggles that I felt in my life for the past five years, this is starting about two years ago, mm-hmm. I felt stuck in my comfort zone. And not in a bad way, though. Let me explain. It, it was more like, you remember, imagine being at a glass ceiling, you know, mm-hmm. where you've built a good business, you have a decent life, you have great kids, you live in your dream neighborhood, you essentially enjoy your life. And and my fear was that, and but I still felt like I didn't feel good about Like in my head every day, I'm like, I don't feel, something feels wrong. Mm-hmm. And I realized my I, being I turned 40, you look back at the past 20 years, 20 years goes by relatively quickly. You know, once you're there, my big fear was when I was 60, I would look back at the past 20 years and feel regret of the things that I wish I had done mm-hmm. or, or tried to do and, and just did not for whatever reason. And so the fast forward mindset, which is the book, was designed for myself was how I could be more fearless and focused over the next 20 years of my life. So I would look back with no regrets. Amazing. One of the things my wife and I have always talked about, we have three kids, is we both lived abroad while in college, is what would it be like if we lived abroad for a year? Mm-hmm. What would the impact be on our children? Travel around Europe and the world, be exposed to a whole new culture. And after Where had three you been years, back then? Where had you been back then when we were going? I lived in Florence. Okay. And my wife lived in Seville, so in Spain. Amazing. And 
So we, for several years, we thought about it, but didn't do it. And then as I was finishing the book, the whole book is about how to take action to get out of your comfort zone because that's how you're going to fast forward your impact. And so I made a decision with my wife. She made the decision is we got to eat our own dog food. We've been saying this for a long time. Let's do it. So that's that was the precipice. And our ki- it, icing on the cake was our kids are so pumped. You know, they're a 10-year-old twins and a 5-year-old. And I, if I were them, I'd be nervous or different. They're so pumped for the experience. Finally out of New York. <laughs> they're just, you know, we, we love, we love our, our life here. We're, we're, gonna, we're coming back. We're not moving forever. Um, but we're, we're, we're open to the opportunities that, I, that it leads to. Yeah, and, 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 and that's great because I think there's so much discomfort where a lot of people think about, okay, you have a business in the background. How do you actually continue leading the, the business? And like, I think I want to go into the conversation with your wife, if that's fine. You don't need to go into much detail, but I think that's something that a lot of people struggle on. How do you, how do you manage the conversation? Of course, both people are pumped to actually go and do the discomfort action. But still, you need to decide on at some point, like what was like the internal conversation you more or less on a Broadway had with your wife in order to decide that your kids and you guys go to go to Europe. <laughs> It's so funny because I was talking to my wife about it. I go, whose decision was this, mine or yours? Like, like, it was my decision. I'm like, oh, I thought it was my decision. So in a way, I think we were both aligned. So we, we um, one of the things we did it several years ago was we read this I read this book called Three Questions for the Frantic Family. It was written by Patrick Lincione, I think his name is. He's the same guy who wrote, wrote Seven Dysfunctions of a Highly Effective Team. Oh, okay. Yeah. What I, it's similar to that title. He's a famous you know, business author. Hmm. And the reason that we read the book is I felt like I was putting so much energy in my life into my business, my own self-improvement. I, I'm like, damn, man, like, I, I think I need to, like, put the same amount of effort into being a better father and uh, having a better family and, and having more process there. And so we read the book, and it's essentially scaling up for families. And one of the, and so you have to create your mission statement and your own core values. And when we did this, one of the number one things that we put is we love to travel and explore the world. And, and before we had kids, we traveled a lot. And so we had this in our, our mission statement from years ago of who we are as a family. And so it sort of just sat with us. And so this was a natural extension of, okay, let's do it. Because our, if we didn't do it now, we probably would have missed the, the window because of our kids' age and not been able to do it either ever or until our kids went to college. So because we had set this structure in place and we both loved to travel, we were very aligned this particular goal. Fantastic. Congratulations. I mean, it's a great step, um, I think, for for a whole family. And uh, maybe one question, maybe you can briefly answer it. How do you still manage to run the company? Because I think that's something that a lot of people have in mind now. So we mentioned scaling up. Mm-hmm. That book helped us create structure and process in the business. There's another book. Have you ever heard of the book Traction? No, I don't. Okay. Who, who uh, wrote it? Uh, Gina Wickham and Mark Sumner's. Okay. Uh, it's as big, if not potentially bigger, depending on who you talk to, than scaling up. Mm-hmm. And they also have another book called Rocket Fuel. And okay. Rocket Fuel is about setting up a visionary and an integrator in your business, why it's so important and why it also doesn't work. Integrator being the COO, the chief operating officer. Mm-hmm. And so over the past few years, 
I've set up a structure in my business where I'm not involved in the day-to-day. I'm more involved in the vision. And this past year, at, which I'm still president now, a president of entrepreneurs organization, it took a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, it was kind of a good setup because the company was used to me not being around as much as I was in previous years mm-hmm. that would help sort of set up a structure so I wasn't as needed as, you know, in the first five years of the business, I was the hub. All the spokes came to me. And now I'm, uh, there's only one person who reports to me, and that's the visionary. That's the COO. Okay, got it. So you, But you started building the structure from early on two years ago in order to make it possible now, right? You could probably even go back as far as five years, but specifically okay. in the past, two, the past two years for sure. Got it. Okay, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. I think that's a very beautiful story of, of, um, of, of having a family move together to a different country, right? <laughs> I'm super excited for the opportunity. Also, there's a lot of opportunity for law line in Europe as well. Right. A lot of uh, lawyers and law firms want to practice in the United States, so we want to provide them with the resources and tools to do that. So that there's that opportunity as well. And, and, and finally, I actually think it's going to be bigger for the business because I'm going to, if, up until three o'clock, everyone's sleeping here. So I'm going to have a lot of time to focus without being interrupted uh, from different meetings or things on ways that we can be moving the company forward. So, you know, obviously there'll be some challenges. I'm not, uh, I'm going to go into that with my eyes wide open, but I'm looking forward to dealing with whatever comes my way. Fantastic. And I'm sure there are, there may be uh, people in, in the network that would be interested in building up Lawline in Europe together with you guys. Right. Give me a call. So. Right, David, I'll just give you my email. David at Lawline, L-A-W-L-I-N-E dot com. So certainly very interested in Germany and other areas of opportunities. And right. by the way, EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, what it, it's been, been transformational in my life. Moving to Barcelona is not scary. Why? Mm-hmm. Because there's a, a chapter there. I have a built-in community of entrepreneurs that I'm going to be connected to day one. And by the way, guess guess how I knew I moved to Barcelona in the first place? Push me over. A couple EO New York members moved to Barcelona for a couple of years, including cool. Vern Harnish, who is the, the author of Scaling Up and the founder of EO. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a model in place that I was just following. Fantastic. I should I should also connect you to uh, Jeff Gothelf, who's the author of uh, Lean UX, uh, also quite quite award winning uh, book. I think uh, I also had him on the podcast a couple of weeks okay. ago, and he he also moved to Barcelona, as I'm thinking um, from 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 the states. So uh, you guys should definitely meet. I can definitely connect you. He's there right you guys. now. What's that? He's there right now. He is there right now. Yeah, I think he moved with his family. Same same thing that you guys did, or you guys do. Set it up afterwards. That's awesome. I will definitely will. Um, very cool. Maybe let's let's chat a little bit about um, the fast forward mindset about your new book uh, because I think you are going to be fast forward moving to Barcelona and I think it could also be cool to to talk a little bit about your book. Maybe as you mentioned a little bit about earlier about like little frameworks here and there. Maybe it still helps to bring people sure. and the community along. What's your book about? Why do you actually uh, write it? So fast forward mindset is built around the concept that we all whether we want to admit it or not, want to fast forward our success. You know, we want to have, we want to get things done quicker, faster, and all that. All that. You know, sometimes we say it out loud. Out loud. Sometimes we don't. And so for years, that was my thinking. How do I fast forward my success? How do I get more done quicker? And the book is not just. It's not about that. It's about 
how do you live a life with no regrets? And so in order to do that, there's two fundamental things you need to do. You need to be more fearless and you need to be more focused. And when you're more fearless and focused over the long term, you are going to fast forward your growth. Mm-hmm. When you fast forward your growth, you're going to be able to fast forward your impact on the world around you. When you fast forward your impact in your world around you, in my opinion, that's when you fast forward your success. And so fast forward could mean literally 20 years, not to mean next week. And so the fast forward mindset is not an overnight success. It's not like you do it tomorrow and it's done. It's, it's a mindset shift that you need to make for the rest of your life so you can be as fearless and as focused as you want to be day in and day out. So over the long term, you will experience more. And the more you experience, the more successful and impactful you'll be. Definitely. I mean, uh, as you mentioned earlier, right, focus is like the number one uh, touch point for for success in private and, and uh, professional life. Um, maybe also because I got a little insight into the book. What I always love is something that people can immediately do right after the podcast as well. Um, and you you have a 30-day challenge that you talk about in your podcast. And I think that's something that I'm sure a lot of people would be very interested in uh, before starting, before actually reading the book, uh, maybe to get a little insight here. Uh, what's very practical on that part? Maybe you can tell a little bit about the story of the 30-day challenge or the 30-day, yeah, the 30-day challenge that you that you have in your book. So I'll do two things. I'm going to tell you a 30-day challenge. I'm going to reinforce something I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Something you can literally do tomorrow, today, is you can not label the outcomes to anything in your life. Because the, the moment you transform and stop labeling things, your life will shift because you'll, you will take more action because you're not concerned. So there's, there's a part in the book where I share a story, a parable about that. But mm-hmm. so... Literally, that's something you can do cold turkey because the day I learned the story, I did it the next day. Secondly, the 30-day challenge, in fact, it's a 30-day challenge you can do for the rest of your life. Very straightforward because I wanted to make it as simple and straightforward as possible and geared towards the the, um, the Jerry Seinfeld story that I said to you, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you don't want to break the chain of exit. So every single day, you answer three questions in the morning. Question number one is, what did I focus on yesterday? And we have a Facebook group, so you can do it right on the Facebook group, or you can do it in your own journal. Or My my recommendation is to email to somebody who's your accountability buddy. So what did I focus on yesterday? Question number two, what is my number one fear right now? And it changes. you got to answer that one because so many times you... You do planning, you don't actually explore what you're, you're afraid of. Mm. And in the book, I explain how to overcome that. And then number three is what is, I'm sorry, what did I say was number one? Number one was like, what did, I, what did you focus on yesterday? So I, I, re- I said the wrong thing. It's what mm-hmm. action did you take yesterday? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's essentially the three steps of the book. Step one is take action. So what actions did I take yesterday? Mm-hmm. Number two, which, which is similar to focus, but what, what actually did you do? Number mm-hmm. two is what is your number one fear? Number three is what is your focus? For you? So those, if you answer those questions for 30 days, the, the goal is to get your mental focus because I can't tell you how many people go through life without ever doing it. you got to be disciplined. You can't have that, a little bit of discipline. It's hard to know where you're going. So that is the basic level. If you want to take it a little bit further, which is what I would recommend, 
There is a link to an online survey. It's 13 questions. It's a Google form that I created from the questions because I have a fast forward mindset plan. There's very actionable plans in the book, very easy to fill out. You can do it in 10 minutes or less. That will help you determine what goal that you want to focus on in the next 30 to 90 days. Where do you want to be more fearless, essentially? And it goes through that. And if, you're, if you fill out that form and you put that, put that process together, then you do the, the 30 days specifically geared towards that goal. So my goal for the next 30 days is to sell 500 books. I won't know until Wednesday, because I've done a lot of pre-orders, how many orders have already been done. Mm-hmm. So that is everything I'm doing, including this podcast, is geared around, okay, tomorrow I'm going to write. The actions that I took yesterday was I took a I also sent out an email to my, I have a launch team of 75 people. I'm going to do that today. And so those little things, and by the way, I don't care, Max, if you commit, to, like, my number one thing is if you commit to doing it, go 30 days in a row, maybe take off a week or two, then do another 30-day challenge. Like, just, you, you want to see how many 30-day challenges you can do moving. But the, I don't care if you do nothing for those 30 days. My only ask of you is to answer those questions a day because the first time you miss answering that, you broke the chain and mm-hmm. you miss it once and you're like, you know what, I'll miss it again. You, you can't ever break that. Do you, so anyone can handle 30 days in a row. Right, right, definitely. And I think if you can can combine it with a good good step from my side that I can recommend this, uh, Sometimes I watch um, Matt Diavella, who is also, I think, a producer from from the States. I, I'm not sure whether he's from New York, but what he does is he sometimes does like 30-day uh, challenges throughout the year where he challenges of uh, like waking up at 5 a.m. for 30 days and doing gym for 30 days and really going to that disciplined mindset and also combining that with your challenge of actually reporting and reflecting on a day-to-day basis. I think that can be very powerful uh, to combine those Two elements in order to uh, to drive professional success and uh, private success. And part of the focus is you have to keep track. Right. This is, if you don't keep track, you you won't. You're, we're too busy. There's too much going on. So this is a very easy way to keep track and, and to see where where you're going and where you're not. So yeah, absolutely. Right. I just finished my own. I did a seven month challenge. Do seven minute workout every day for seven months, and I just completed that last week. And it was like. I've never worked. I've never done anything that long. If that, that <laughs> seven minutes a day, I was able to do it. So, amazing, very cool. Thanks, David, for for sharing that. Maybe sure. a couple of a uh, couple of final questions now. Uh, I will definitely, of course, uh, put the book into the show notes in order to let people understand sure. what it's about and how how people can actually gain more knowledge and more more discomfort uh, through the book. And uh, that's very great. Maybe you can, can say one thing. Mm-hmm, of course, I would just say this. It's totally okay being in your comfort zone. People, like that's what that's they're like they know what they want and they're there and they're comfortable. I would just say this is if you're in your comfort zone and you're feeling in your mind you're not happy, mm-hmm. there's probably a reason, especially as an entrepreneur, because this, this book is actually geared toward entrepreneurs. It's very hard to get to where you want to be in your comfort zone specifically. So what I say in the book and, and just in general, it's really important is one of the questions I ask is, what level out of your comfort zone is this goal? Mm-hmm. And what I found is you want to be in between a four and a seven. Because anything above a seven, you have to have a really big why of your why you're doing it. And it's, you know, if, if you don't, it's going to potentially break you. And anything below a four, it's generally, you probably not 
that focus or it doesn't scare you enough. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's really important to know there's different levels of getting out of your comfort zone. So you always don't, you can be, a, sometimes you can be a three, but a lot of times when I say that people are thinking you have to be eight or above. Mm-hmm. And I actually wouldn't recommend that for most people. Lovely. I think that's a very cool, cool tip. I haven't heard that before um, to really decide whether it's like a four or, so, four or seven or something in between. Um, very good. Very. Uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, two final questions. Um, what's like a routine that you do on a daily basis that, that helps you keep being the David that I have experienced over the last like 40 minutes? <laughs> so another book that has been very influential to me and the author ended up, I ended up becoming so close with him that he wrote the forward for my book is The Miracle Morning. You know that okay. book? Of course, yeah. Okay, so Hal Elrod, I read the book in 2013. And essentially, I wake up an hour earlier than I used to, or at least, you know, I wake up early in the morning. Whatever time I wake up, I focus on myself first. Mm-hmm. I generally spend 10 minutes journaling about the day before, 10 minutes writing about what I'm grateful for, and 10 minutes learning something, whether it's reading a book or watching a video. And those 30 minutes are only focused on myself. I do not look at my email. I do not do anything that's sort of not gonna be about myself and growth. And when I read that book, that trans, I usually didn't think I was a morning person until I I reprogrammed my mind to that. And so that is something that I look forward to doing, you know, if not every day, as much, almost every day. Very cool. Thank you. Um, maybe uh, one last final question that some people are very interested in. How do you keep all your to-dos managed? Do you, uh, do you use um, a pen and a paper, or do you have an online tool that you would recommend with a strategy behind it? So for our business, the most important tool that we use is Trello. Are you familiar with mm-hmm. Trello? Yep. Do you guys use that? Very big in Germany, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of been game-changing for us. Because of the way you move it over from one column to the next, keeps, yeah, I couldn't do half the things I did without that organization. Without that organization, especially when you're coordinating with other people. Okay. On a personal level, I use Trello myself, but I also what I like to do in the. By the way, the caveat being, I told you my strength is in focus, mm-hmm. so I have a lot of things in different places. But one of the things that's really good for me in the mornings, if I feel like there's just a lot coming in here. I take a sheet of paper and I put a line in the center. On the left-hand side, I do a brain dump of everything that I have to do at that moment, like that comes into my head. On the right side is the reality check. I put 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11, 12, you know, I go through the whole day, every hour, mm-hmm. and then start moving things over. And what you realize is the 20 things that you had on the left side, you can really only fit in four. <laughs> right? And so it, For somebody like whom, me who thinks you can do everything in a given time, mm-hmm. so that really helps me given time frame. And then third is I make sure to, to not schedule every moment of my day with to-dos. Mm-hmm. I make sure I have enough breathing time that is structured downtime mm-hmm. so I can be creative. I'm doing a TEDx talk in three weeks. So okay. if I had, if I was scheduled my time too much, I, I wouldn't have enough time to like make sure I get it done. Don't, With that said, there's a lot of pressure because there's a lot of things that are moving on. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a working, a working um, moving list that my number one goal is to not have to burn the midnight oil and wake up too early. 
because your kids will notice and then you'll just be that, that guy. Right. Amazing. Uh, also love that last sentence um, to really think about family in that case again. Um, thank you for sharing that. I actually have a very similar uh, strategy about to do. So we can chat about that later, maybe in Barcelona. <laughs> um, <laughs> very cool, David. Really appreciated the interview. Maybe you can um, tell the people where they can follow your, your steps along launching the book and uh, you moving to Barcelona. Is there any channel that is recommendable? So I just launched last week the website fastforwardmindset.com mm -hmm. you can go to fastforwardmindset.com or ffwdmindset.com and on the the website there's what what's called the fast forward impact blog mm -hmm. so i will be regularly updating that with entrepreneurship stories fearless stories focus stories in addition to interviewing and featuring entrepreneurs who are having an impact on the world around them Mm -hmm. And part of that will be sharing my journey in Barcelona and other areas. That is going to be, the, and then, then there's also obviously book and things like that. And so certainly that is a good area. And if you Google David Schnurman, see my LinkedIn, Instagram, all the other. Fun. Amazing, cool, perfect, David. I will put everything in the show notes. Thanks for your Thank time. You, um, really enjoy chatting. I wish you all the best and hopefully we can stay in touch. I will definitely link you to Jeff. Um, and if you are in Germany, let the crowd know, let it, let me know and we will set something up uh, beautifully. <laughs> Thanks. And I want to just uh, let you know, you did a really great job asking good, interesting questions that really was you know engaging. And I appreciate that because you, you mentioned, I mentioned a question in the beginning, but it also doing podcasts is a skill. So listening to what I said. So I'm sure your listeners will really appreciate that. And so uh, thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks, Sam. I'm honored. Thank you for, for, for being on the show. <laughs>